Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show from America, celebrating 240 years of the original Brexit. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from Concord, North Carolina. And in tonight's show, Pipe Parts. Uh, Going to dig into specifics on some pipe shape names. It's a uh, listener suggestion, so we'll get into that. My guest tonight is uh, Dave Neeb, pipe maker, pipe restoration, uh, all-around good guy. So we'll talk to Dave. Music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, it is the 5th of July here in the United States, and uh, yesterday we celebrated our 240th anniversary of uh, telling the King of England to uh, go uh, suck crumpets, and uh, now the Brits are leaving. Anyway, alright, uh, so this long weekend gave me a chance to get caught up on some stuff around the house, which I didn't get caught up on as much as I wanted to, but... I will tell you that my brand new pipe cabinet is coming along nicely. Uh, Fits almost my entire pipe smoking, uh, my entire pipe collection. Uh, It does not fit the Disney World or the Disney pipes in there. It's not that big of a cabinet. But I am uh, very happy with how it's looking so far. It's sitting over here staring at me. And uh, as I get it finished, I'll... uh, I'll post pictures in a couple of weeks once I get it finished. Uh, The next step for it is uh, some low-wattage, battery-operated LED lights so that I can put lights underneath the shelves and light up everything down below. And then I need to find a really good restoration uh, cabinetry guy because I've got to replace the glass in the door. and (laughs) And, well, you'll see when the pictures are done and everything's put up, but I'm not skilled enough to do it. I am a leading expert on my own opinion, and my own opinion tells me that I would just get in there and completely goof it up. So I'll be uh, looking for uh, looking for somebody who's good with antiques. Anyway, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345. 
and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. Welcome back. All right, so as I said, I got an email, and here's what it says. It says, Hi, Brian. My name is Nikhil Steven. I'm from Bangalore, India, and a longtime fan of the radio show. And let me interject in there. I think it's really cool that this little show is going all the way to India, and somebody's a regular fan. Uh, anyway, he goes on to write, I eagerly await Wednesday morning when the podcast gets uploaded. In a recent show, you had asked for suggestions for the pipe part segment. I thought I'll give my two cents or rupees in India. Uh, names of pipes. I've always wondered why a billiard is called a billiard. I get blowfish or apple, get their name from how they look. But what about the others? Say Prince Shape, who is the prince or author, and all the gazillion shapes. I'm sure there is history and thought behind these names and will be great if this is deciphered from you. Thanks, Nikhil. All right, so here we go. Um, first let's take the easy one. Uh, the first place I went to is pipedia.org and there are some absolutely wonderful articles on Pipedia that are by Bill Burney, B-U-R-N-E-Y, and, uh, originally written on ASP and he's got some great shapes to go with him. So if you're poking around on there. Uh, just go look at pipe shapes. Uh, but first of all, this one I actually knew. Uh, the prince was named after the Prince of Wales, Prince Albert, later King Edward VII. It was a uh, shape that he had commissioned for himself. So here's how most of these shapes are going to work. Um, somebody wanted something a little bit different, and it kind of reminded them of this or that. And that's how a lot of these shapes get named. Uh, for example, the author shape, it's a bent apple, but a more, uh, a more uh, beefed up or sturdier version of it. So my guess is, is that some author somewhere down the road, and who knows who it was, but some author somewhere down the road, because they were writing had this pipe hanging in their mouth all the time and wanted a pipe that had a little more wood to it, a little more girth to it, so that as they puffed on it, because they kept it in their mouth all the time while typing or writing, they wanted it to be more heat resistant. Uh, where the first time that name was used, who knows. Uh, the one that I found that was even more interesting is the billiard. Uh, the billiard, as we know, it has mostly parallel walls. Uh, can have a little bit of a curving to it, but not much at all. Well, I did a search on the name billiard, and what I came up with, or billiard shape, was billiard-shaped eyeglasses. They were eyeglasses that were made, instead of being the size of your eye, they were made to be taller and have more parallel looking sides to them. And if you do a Google search for billiard eyeglasses, you'll see what looks like eyeglasses that have the profile of our exact well-known billiard pipe. Now this is just me putting uh, two and two together to try to make 17 out of it, but 
I'm looking at these and I'm saying, okay, why did, you know, they, that looks like them. Now the billiard glasses were made to be taller on the top so that when the billiard player leaned over and was looking at his cue and down the table, had the glasses all the way covering his eyes. Thus the billiard shape. Um, the bulldog couldn't find much about it except... I have heard in the past that the Bulldog originated in England and it kind of was squat and masculine looking and reminded the, uh, reminded the British pipe makers of, guess what, a British Bulldog. Uh, the last one, no, i got two more. Uh, Lovat, L-O-V-A-T. We all know that as a long shanked billiard with either with a saddle stem or you know variations on that. It's one of my favorite shapes. Uh, the eto- the etymology of the word Lovat goes all the way back to T. A. Fraser, the Lord of Lovat, and that this lordship goes way back in Scotland. But the true definition of Lovat, according to Merriam-Webster, is a predominantly dusty color mixture as of green and fabrics. And T.A. Fraser, better known as Lord Lovat, Thomas Alexander Fraser, the 12th Lord of Lovat, and the 1st Baron Lovat, uh, 1802 to 1875, he was the first baron when the baronship was... Uh, was uh, restored and he was the one that was famous for that color I looked through the descendants of the Lovat line couldn't find one that I could prove was a pipe smoker but uh, Hugh Fraser, the first lord of Lovat goes back to approximately uh, 1460 so that could have been uh, one of Thomas's or Thomas's descendants that liked a little bit shorter, more compact Canadian or uh, lumberman, and they named it after Lovat. Uh, the last one, and this is again very much uh, thanks to Bill Burney of uh, from his ASP articles and Pipedia. That's how I discovered a gentleman named Stephanus Johannes Paulus Paul Kruger. Uh, He was a uh, dominant political and military figure in 19th century South Africa and at one point president of the South African Republic from uh, 1883 to 1900. And guess what his nickname was? His nickname was Um Paul, better known as Uncle Paul. And yes, he did smoke a pipe. And I'm going to guess that that Oom Paul was because that's what he, uh, that's a shape that he preferred. All right, so there's uh, the Prince, the Billiard, the Author, the Bulldog, the Oom Paul, and the Lovat. I don't know, could be fact, could be fiction. You guys decide. All right, in just a minute, Dave Neeb will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. 
Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corn cob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us on the phone is a uh, forum sponsor and somebody that I've got to uh, laugh a couple of times in hotel rooms at pipe shows with and teased a little bit, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, please welcome Dave Neeb to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, Brian. All right, so let's let's make sure everybody gets to know you and uh, tell us where did you grow up and when did you first start smoking a pipe? Well, I grew up mostly in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, first started smoking a pipe, I guess, when I was in college. Um, went back to cigarettes to, and uh, when I was in the Army, uh, drove me back to it, and you can't carry a pipe very well during basic training. <laughs> No. Um, and then after that, I got off cigarettes and have been smoking the pipe pretty much steadily for the last 30 some years. Uh, now, what were you studying in college? Uh, I was a history major down at DePaul University in Indiana, and uh, then spent a couple of years out of school after graduation and went back to law school at the University of Wisconsin. Got out of Wisconsin in uh, 1969, spent uh, four beautiful years with the U.S. Army JAG Corps um, in the States and in Vietnam, and um, came back then to Wisconsin began to work for the Attorney General's office. I was a prosecutor and then went into private practice. And what I did in private practice was primarily maritime law in Milwaukee, uh, which is, uh, of course, on the Great Lakes and part of the maritime jurisdiction. Yeah, so, so that, I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't know is that the the Great Lakes get regular deep water seagoing vessels yes. in there. They do through the St. Lawrence Seaway, uh, and there's a lot of intra-lake uh, bulk shipping of uh, commodities, grain, coal, iron ore, that kind of thing. So you uh, you decided that instead of doing something good with your life, you'd become a lawyer. Um, yeah, that's sort of what it was. <laughs> and I've been retired for uh, about... Uh, 10 or 11 years now, and I refer to myself as a recovering attorney. <laughs> so, no longer practicing, you're in recovery. Exactly. <laughs> so, do you remember the uh, the very first pipe that you bought? I do. Uh, the, 
first type I ever bought was a uh, Kamoy's Sunrise, uh, which I bought in Cleveland, and I think it cost me about two bucks, <laughs> and I still have it, and every once in a while I smoke it in the golf course. I've got my golf course uh, pipes uh, so that I, <laughs> I learned a bad lesson when I pretty much exploded a Dunhill 92 on the golf course on a windy day and uh, never uh, never smoked a pipe worth more than 15 bucks on a golf course again. <laughs> now that, that Kamoi Sunrise that you're talking about, that would have been mid-60s production and probably a pretty good pipe in its own. A very good pipe. A little Dublin, great grain, no fills. Um, a very nice little pipe. Yeah, so you, so you must have gone into a real pipe shop to buy that. Did you try a whole bunch of tobaccos, or did they uh, suggest something for you? You know, I can't even remember exactly where I bought it. I just remember um, um, the pipe. Uh, the, the only pipes, since I've been in the business, I, I either make them myself or I've, I've been buying estates. Uh, but the only two pipes I can specifically remember buying uh, were two pipes I bought in St. Louis at um, Yost's. Yeah. And the guy that, that sold them to me was Harvey Raspberry, who was pretty much <laughs> famous in the, in the business and among pipe smokers, especially if you're around St. Louis. African-American guy who was hilarious and one of the greatest salesmen I ever saw. He told me, I bought a couple of um, lasted uh, pipes that bore the Yost label. They were made by Kamois. And again, I, I still have one of those, and uh, that's 50 years ago. And the other one was sadly lost someplace along the line. But Harvey told me, he said, you got to break a pipe in hard. Just like a hound dog. <laughs> a wonderful man. Uh, so, so how is it to uh, how does how does one break in a pipe hard? Uh, I don't know. I never did it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't buying it, <laughs> so, especially since they were sort of thin, thin walled, and, and uh, you know they were about group three size or maybe four and. And I, I just couldn't see uh, uh, smoking it while driving a convertible. <laughs> no, no, probably um, yes. All right. So going back when you when you first get out of law school, I mean, there's still smoking in the courtrooms and all the meetings and everything. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Although there, in the in the uh, uh, courtroom that was set up, but. UW Law School, uh, there was a sign that prohibited smoking. I don't think I've ever been able to smoke in a courtroom, but everybody else, you could smoke. Wow. I'd have to be about 20 years older to be able to smoke in a courtroom to do the third sterile bit <laughs> yeah. with the cigar. <laughs> I was in the uh, Supreme Court building in, in one of the conference rooms off to the side, big 17-foot high ceilings, wood panels, big 
pictures of former chief justices and all I'm thinking about is all the great cigars and pipes that were smoked in there. Right. And now you can't even smoke on the grounds of the Supreme Court building. Exactly. exactly. So, um, so it how... It a bit far, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you come back into pipe smoking and you try a whole bunch of tobaccos and did you settle on one style you know, or the other? I did. Uh, when I was in law school, uh, I did. I, I tried. Uh, I remember I, I, I used to smoke something called Bishop's Move, which was an English, which um, was uh, mixed and sold by Yuli's uh, pipe shop in uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, it still is. Uh, they sold their tobaccos in a bunch of pharmacies around the Midwest. They still do. Um, it was a really, really nice uh, English. Uh, then. Surely, I, somehow I got into, uh, you know, light aromatics, and uh, they they made my wife happier when I smoked them in the house, so I sort of stuck with them. So I ended up uh, playing golf with uh, Jack Yuley, the proprietor of the, of the Yuley's Pipe Shop one time, and surely by happenstance, and he smelled my tobacco. Uh, on the golf course, he asked me what it was. I told him, he said, I've got something that... that uh, it's pretty much the same, and I think you like it better. And long story short, I've been smoking it ever since, and that goes back about forty years. Wow! So you've been you've been on one. Way, I do, you've, I, you've only been on one tobacco, or do you try a little bit of other stuff here and there I, too? I have. I, every once in a while, I'll try something else. I, I've done Scottish mixture from. Um, um, is that McDermott's, I guess, and um, uh, uh, occasionally a little bit of uh, English. I still have tried the Bishop's Moon every once in a while, but whenever I fire it up in the house, my wife sticks her nose up in the air, and either I go outside or I go back to the other stuff. <laughs> so I'm most, you know, I'm a pipe guy. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly a pipe guy. I'm not, I'm not really into tobaccos. Uh, a great deal. I like what I smoke, and I just keep smoking it. It's mild, and I like the you know I like the the the, uh, the taste, and my wife likes the aroma, and so and everyone likes the aroma. Uh, you know, I have this. It's sort of a family joke. Uh, when I used to work at the outside the building, having a smoke, and some sweet young thing about twenty. It, walk by and say to me, oh, I love the smell of your tobacco. And I, you know, sort of stand up straighter. And then the next line is always, my grandfather used to smoke a pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you just want to go, thanks, little girl. <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks a lot, hon. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what came first for you, the pipe making or the pipe restoration? The restoration, and you know, I, do, I really don't do much of it anymore. Uh, I, from time to time, somebody asked me to do a restoration for him, but um, and the only reason I got into it was I began to sell pipes on eBay, just looking for you know something to do. I had a bunch of pipes I didn't smoke for whatever reason, and uh, this was back in the fairly early days of eBay, and I thought you know. Let's see what it 
if I can get any money for these things. So I cleaned them up, and that developed into, I don't know, maybe a couple of thousand sales on eBay. Uh, and then I got a little bit tired of paying the big the eBay and uh, started my own website. Uh, with the help of uh, Dave Wolf at Walker Briar Works at the time, um, so that um, that's the way that all that all went. Uh, I had when I was still working. I said, you know what? What am I going to do with the rest of my life if I retire? And it just it, it just sort of evolved into uh, what is now. I won't call it a full time thing, but I sure spend a lot of time on it. And the lovely part of it is, the really fun part of it is, the people that I've met as a result, not only at shows, uh, but just customers who, you know, call up and talk, and and we've just I've just developed some really nice relationships uh, with people because of, uh, because of selling bikes. So it's fun. Yeah, now, did you have somebody show you or guide you on, on the restoration stuff, or did you just kind of dig into it and... You know, I, you know, there's a lot of resources in line, um, and uh, I had always maintained my own pipe, so I wasn't just starting from from scratch. Uh, but I learned a lot from talking to people um, who did it. I uh, can't even begin to tell you who they were right now because it's you know 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, but there are a lot of there are a lot of resources in line how to do it, how not to do it. And, how to do it without compromising the value of the pipe, and uh, so it. And it's really rewarding to take a an old piece of junk pipe and and uh, make it look pretty much new again. What's the worst thing you've seen done to a pipe that you've had to <laughs> that you've had to try to <laughs> save? Done to it well. I you know I don't get that. If it's that bad, I really don't mess with it. Uh, what I see a lot, and it just drives me crazy, is uh, somebody who calls himself a pipe repairman um, trying to replace a stem, and instead of fitting the stem to the stumble, uh, slaps it on there, and then if it's too, a little bit too small, there goes half the shank, and now you got a, uh, a shank which is is cut down to meet the meet the stem, and it's you know it just and it, it's fine if it's a twenty dollar pipe. Who cares? But when you're talking about a two or three or four hundred dollar pipe, that's sacrilege. They take they take half the half the nomenclature in some cases, and, and uh, it, it ruin the line of the pipe. And when you redo it, it nothing of topping yeah. a pipe. When you redo a pipe, do you put in a brand new bowl coating, or do you try to leave the original? I don't know. I just trim. I just trim cake, uh, and I don't use bowl coating in the restorations, and I don't use bowl coating in my own pipes that I make. That's a perfect spot for us to take a break, and then we'll talk about your pipes when we come back, so we'll be back in just a minute. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for variety, 
And if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupOfJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupOfJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupOfJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Dave Neeb, who many of you may know as MKE Law Pipes and a uh, site sponsor and an old eBay name. All right, so what made you decide you wanted to make your own pipe? Well, it was secondary to uh, the restoration work. Um, Ultimately, um, after I'd sold you know, a bunch, a bunch of pipes on eBay and on the website. I, I said, you know, there's, I could, I could do this, and um, I'm pretty, I'm handy with my hands, and I have done a lot of woodworking, but um, I, I, I had done a lot of model making, and um, talked to a few people and found that Lee Rook, uh was willing to accept people to come up, up to his place and and instruct him in the basics of pipe making. Uh, so I contacted Lee and I went up and spent, it, it was very convenient because I was in Milwaukee and he's up in the upper peninsula of Michigan so I could drive up there very easily. And I spent uh, three or four days with Lee and um, then Began, it found that I was interested enough in continuing, that I invested in a halfway decent lathe and the other basic tools that I needed and, and kept going at it. Um, then maybe, I don't know, four or five years later, at that point I was, I was not making my own stems. I was using, uh, you know, stock blanks and highly modifying them. Uh, and uh, I wanted to learn more about stem making and um, got a hold of Rat Davis, and he was kind enough to uh, invite me to um, come down to see him. And that was convenient because we, we spent the winters in Florida, and he's up in, the, up in Alabama, so that wasn't a real long drive either. And I'm just very thankful to both of them because it's been such a uh, rewarding thing in my life. And... Uh, wouldn't have been able to do without either of them. So you went to uh, you went to both ends of the United States. I mean, that's just to learn how to make pipes. 
Uh, right. Was there a part of the pipe making process that was harder for you to get than others? Um, took me a while to make a decent stem. Um, but, you know, other than that, And and learning to to bring out grain properly and and fine finishing, um, but that's just a matter of doing it and and inspecting your own results and comparing it to you know known high grade pipe makers and saying oh this isn't really as good as I want it to be. Um, the other thing I I'd like to do uh, sometime in the future is learn to do freehand drilling, which opens up a, a new, you know, a new, um, some new avenues in pipe making. You're, you're more limited when you uh, are drilling, uh, fixed drilling on a lathe. Yeah, so let, let's go back for a second. The other, thing, the other thing I picked up from Rad was, was disc sanding, uh, disc shaping. I used, I was using a, um, um, belt sander to, to do my uh, rough shaping uh, and I've, I've, because that's the way we did it uh, and uh, I've now I haven't done that in a long time I just find that it's a lot for me it's a lot easier um, to do it on, on discs and um, I guess I hadn't done it long enough on the belt sander that I, I I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't switch. Let's go back a minute. And what what exactly makes a uh, makes a perfect stem for you? Well, the hardest thing is to is to get uh, to get the whip and the slit right. Uh, that's that's just a matter of practice more than anything, and figuring out the right tools. Um, and the order in which you do things. Um, but I had to learn about proportion, um, you know, what looked good to the eye. And then I, Lee, for example, pointed out to me that uh, my um, the taper back from the joint uh, with the shank was, well, it, it was a little fat toward the shank and to thin that down. And uh, eventually, particularly by looking at, at known um, high-grade pipes and the way others have done it. And you, you just learn by, by looking and, and, uh, and doing. You, you just, there's no way to, to learn how to, to, to um, uh, put good slot in, a, in a, uh, a stem other than by doing it a lot. And finally, when you figure out the right tools to use and and the right order to do things in, um, then it becomes pretty much second nature. So I'm looking on your website, and the website is mkelaw-pipes.com. You're probably wondering what that means. Well, yeah, tell all right. What uh, what does that mean first? Well, mke is the airport code for law, <laughs> and law is from the fact that I was at the time a lawyer. Um, L.A. law was popular at the time, so I said, well, we'll make it Milwaukee law. <laughs> well, 
that was on eBay. And then when I when I went to the website, of course, I kept the same name. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done it that way uh, because no one understands what it, it unless you're from Wisconsin, no one understands what it means. And everyone calls me Mike to a point where I answer to it. <laughs> That's a lot better than the things they call me. Um, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so, so I'm just just skimming through the sold and unsold pipes and uh, it looks like you have an appreciation for the classics and then you do some variations on more modern stuff uh is there a shape that you like making more than others um i don't think so i don't think so i i do tend to do variations on the classic shapes. I mean, the reason, they're classic for a reason. Yeah. And uh, that's what I tend to. I, I don't, you know, just knock out straight billiards and Dublins, and, uh, but I like to sort of play with the shapes and play a little with with, uh, with proportions and, and things like that. But uh, and every once in a while, I'll try something that's completely out of the box for me. And 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 one one reason why I'd like to uh, uh, get comfortable with freehand drilling uh, is is to be able to to vary it a little bit more. Bruce Weaver has kindly offered to help me on that. Now one of these days, I hope to get down to Nashville and spend some time with him. It's on the way to Florida. I know it is. <laughs> I go right by his house almost every time we drive down there, and that's what he tells me too. And now the other thing that so you probably next year I'll stop. Uh, the other thing that you do that's interesting is your pricing is you're pretty much between three hundred and three seventy five, whether it's a smooth or a sandblast. Uh, yeah. Um, initially. I started pricing that way because I was using uh, more of the, um, the Lee Erk, uh, uh Cook type of uh, blasting technique, which is actually more time-consuming than than uh, finishing smooth finishing. Um, I've gotten away from that, uh, and I'm, I'm beginning to. I'm using more conventional, uh, more conventional blast now. Uh, I, I just I price based on, on what I think is the value of the pipe in, in the hand and in the eye. And if I do a, a pipe which is I think uh, perfect and properly proportioned and has a nice nice blast, uh, I will price it almost as much as a smooth. Um, but uh, again, it's uh, it's just what I think it's it's worth for the buyer. Uh, if if the blast is not so good uh, for whatever reason, then it's priced less. And the other thing that I see, the, the other fact, the other factor on that is is you know there are there's so much competition now. Uh, and so many new pipe makers that are that are working. 
I mean, just within the last two or three years, go to the Chicago show, and you haven't seen half the, the, or heard of half the people that are there anymore. Um, so you're always looking for the correct price point, and that's that's going to be uh, allow you to sell your pipes, um, and but not be too low. Doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me to uh, be selling a pipe for? Uh, 200 bucks that you spend 10 or 12 hours making. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that you do that I think is fun is you've also got lighters and tampers and accessories that I'm sure you're buying right. from somewhere. Right. If I buy a collection, you know, you typically will show up with some other stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why I wouldn't. Uh, how does the consignment work if we want to send you some pipes? It sort of depends on the pipes. Uh, if they're, if they're, first of all, I don't like to take anything that I think is going to retail for less than at the lowest seventy-five, but I'd prefer it to be higher than that because there's a lot of time that goes into that process. Uh, so on. Um, um, Lower value pipes, uh, I'm going to charge more uh, than high value pipes. Um, inevitably, if, if I get a collection, say 20 pipes uh, that, are, that are high quality, they're going to be you know, three or four that come with it. And that's why I've got that $50 and under page on their website. That was the next thing I was getting to. So <laughs> there's a whole bunch to look at on the website. And do you update it on a regular basis, or is it whenever you get stuff? Um, well, if I haven't got into sell, I can't update it. Um, but it's you know it's not it's not my full time job, and uh, so it's not like I'm sitting around you know spending three or four hours a day updating. Um, as I get stuff in, I, I'll you know put on ten or twelve pipes, uh, and you know chip away at the new collection that comes in. Um, but uh, you know, I, I try to keep I try to keep some new stuff on there all the time, and if something doesn't sell, I reduce it. And then I've also seen you at the Chicago Pipe Show. Are there other shows that you get to? I don't. I, Chicago is the only one I go to because I'm a tour drive away. And, you know, as, as I think you know, I'm, I'm not living on what I make selling pipes. Uh, it's more of a, a pastime than a vocation than a vocation. So I can drive down there if I went anyplace else. It just wouldn't um, um, make economic sense. I will probably go to a couple of others this next year just because they are within striking distance, but um, it's not, I'm not, I'm not feeding a family on my pipe making. Yeah, well, not at $300 a pipe you are. Exactly. <laughs> Dave, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, my favorite pipe is one actually I have in my hand right now, which is one I made, um, which is a sandblast, and it was sandblast because it had a couple of boo-boos in it, and I couldn't sell it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I can't even quite describe it to you. It's sort of a quarter bit little, a little group four size thing, and it's that's right up there right now. What is your favorite tobacco? What I've been smoking for all these years is Black Stoker from uh, Yulee's in Milwaukee. And they do mail order, by the way. And it's cheaper if you buy it mail order. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? Uh, my drink of choice is uh, blended scotch. I hate beer. <laughs> Wait a second. Scotch. You're from Milwaukee. And, and the other thing is, if I can see through it, I don't drink. Uh, you, in gin and vodka. <laughs> you, you're from Milwaukee and you hate beer. I'm not a beer fan. I can drink one once in a while if I'm really thirsty, but I'm just not a beer guy. <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music. I always have. When I'm working, I always have music. Uh, I've, uh, I've got a nice little uh, uh, portable speaker that I play Pandora on, and it runs everything from 70s music to classical to, uh, um, well, just about anything but current popular music, which doesn't do much for me. <laughs> and the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? Mm, that's, that's really coming to me, but in general, it would probably be some of those uh, uh times in the rooms or uh, down to St. Charles during the pipe show when there are six or eight guys in there having a, having a drink after the show and, and uh, trying tobaccos uh, and talking. Yeah, those are good old times. Uh, the Again, the website is mkelaw-pipes.com. Uh, you can get to it from pipesmagazine.com. So, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. You're more than welcome, Brian. Have a good day. We'll be back in just a minute. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection, from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these, a strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. 
Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. This is Internet Radio. Dude, make sure and check out uh, Dave or Mike or whatever his name is, uh, MKE Law's uh, website. Check out Dave's website. Look at his pipes. I mean, great prices. All right. Um, let's see. I'm hearing a little extra noise in the background because I've cleaned up in here and apparently I've changed <laughs> changed a little audio around. So I hope it's not coming through, but I can hear it. Anyway. All right. For music. So yesterday being the 4th of July, a uh, little patriotic mode going on here. Um, obviously, uh John Philip Sousa, great uh, marches. Well, this one that I found has absolutely nothing to do with pipe smoking except it's performed by the Band of Her Majesty's Royal Marines, and it's called The Invincible Eagle, and I just kind of liked it because it's a Sousa piece that you don't hear that often, and I don't think we've ever really played a march on the radio show. So here's a little uh, Sousa.
So yesterday, working around the house, I put on Spotify and hit Sousa and just let it kind of play and play and play. And you know what? It's really good music to do stuff around the house to. Not really good music to uh, sit on your butt and smoke a pipe to, though. Master, I have mail for you. In the virtual email bag, uh, let's see, going back to last week's show with Stacy, we have Dino says i love this show i loved hearing about stacy's vacation vocation i love that disney meerschaum <laughs> not technically a dear disney meerschaum no trademark infringements applied uh dino loved louis prima uh and then he said apropos of dan locklear i'd love you to share some more of his music and i love that the headphone jerk got his comeuppance from the flight attendant all my love to you and the ghost Dino. <laughs> and then uh, Casey Ghost writes, uh, The Pipe Parts was really informative as usual. It was a great show. Uh, Stacy was uh, really neat. His vacation stories and advice was really good. Uh, Kevin showed me your pipe. It was a really special pipe and amazingly light. I think the music was okay. Some people on a plane are just a pain in the keister. Yes, almost as much of a pain in the keister as snakes on a plane. Uh, and the new broom writes, Nice and easy listening. This hour went by quickly. You two have quite a history and lots of hobby-related memories. Thanks for uh, playing and keep up the great work, Mike and Ocala. Uh, Voorhees writes, Good show. Stacy is a wealth of knowledge, and I even looked into a potential cruise because of his information on smoking venues on some ships. As for the rude flyer with loud headphones, he really needed his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, well, after sitting in those seats for three hours, I'm sure it felt like it anyway. Uh, Dan Locklear wrote, uh, he's, uh, he said it was lovely to hear him recount his discovery of high grades due to Julius Vez pipes. I, as you know, think they are terrific too. Julius, a dear friend, is a master, and even in his 80s, is still going strong. And I think that's like three or four, and the three or four shows in the past couple of weeks we've had people talk about Julius. Uh, Dan writes, as per cruises that that welcome and accommodate smokers, I'd like to enthousi- enthusiastically add Silver Sea to the Norwegian cruise line that Stacy mentioned. Our vacation this year was yet another Silver Sea cruise, and this one was aboard the Silver Spirit, a ship with 540 passenger maximum. Uh, which 540 nowadays is a small cruise ship. Uh, and then he says uh, that they'll launch the Silver Muse next year, which will go up to 560. All the other ships in the fleet are smaller, but what is consistent with all Silver Sea ships is the presence of a handsome, well-ventilated indoor smoking room known as the Connoisseur's Corner on the Spirit. Although you can smoke on outside decks as well, the Connoisseur's Corner... Seats 26, as you'll see from the attached leather chairs and coach and uh, couches make for a very comfortable space for all smokers. There's even a humidor on board stocking Cuban and Dominican cigars. Silver Sea is Italian-owned. The owner is himself a smoker, and his favorite room on all of his ships is the elegant smoking lounges. Uh, Silver Sea is not cheap, but its quality makes it a uh, its quality makes it a leader in the smaller ship cruising world 
I highly recommend it to those seeking a quality cruise where pipe and cigar smoking are both welcomed. So there you go, a couple of uh, a couple of vacation destinations for us, possibly. Small ships on uh, Silver Sea or big ships on Norwegian. Uh, real quickly, I would like it during this summer if you all would please let me know again what country you are in and uh, what do you like to do while you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Are you uh, commuting? Are you... Uh, sitting back on the front porch smoking a pipe what do you do while you listen to the show and uh what country are you from so that we can kind of uh get a little uh, uh get a little survey of who we are um i will tell you that next week's show will be 100 percent pre-recorded because i'm heading up to richmond for the entire week and uh, getting ready for the ipcpr so i won't be here at all and I'm going to pre-record the show so that I don't have to rush back and use a lousy hotel connection. But um, I'm planning on a surprise for the pre-recorded show for our 200th episode. Yeah, next week is show number 200. And uh, I'm not even telling uh, Kevin what the surprise is. I'll just set the whole show up myself, do it all on uh, Sunday, and then maybe send it to him, I don't know, midday Tuesday afternoon so that he doesn't get too much of a preview at it. (laughs) Uh, But I guarantee you it'll be fun. And uh, just reflecting back, I mean, 200 shows, that means that uh, that's about uh, a little bit over 200 hours of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if I do the math, uh, let's see, 24 hours in a day, yeah, that's uh, nine days straight, non-stop. Anybody want to try it? Not me. All right, in just a minute, rant time. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Yesterday being Independence Day and me thinking about how the uh, Tea Party, the Boston Tea Party was over a tea tariff of 3%. 
and me sitting here thinking how we are in the midst of possibly having our uh, some of our favorite tobaccos and stuff taken away from us. Well, it's a reminder that, you know, we all fought for freedom. And I got a letter back from my uh, Democratic representative to the U.S. House of Representatives, Alma Adams, and basically what it said was we need to regulate these products because we need to protect the children. Yeah, well, imagine what ha- what would have happened if the King of England said, oh wait, he did, he tried to kick our butts and keep us in his uh, under his royal thumb and protect all of his children, but we wouldn't have it. No, we wanted life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. So we said, you know what, we'll protect our own children. Uh, Not to tie the two together, the three together, but remember, it was uh, Nazi Germany where they were trying to protect their children and create a pure race. Well, how'd that work out for them? So once again, we've got people that are all worried about the children. I got an idea for them. How about if you have educated, well-balanced parents worry about raising their own children. Don't tax us into oblivion so we have to work two jobs. Don't tell us how to raise our children. Make every parent responsible for their children. Teach their children and let them, let them take care of the children. You in government, Just take care of us adults in the foreign countries, and we'll worry about our own houses. And uh, by the way, the House of Representatives has a 12% approval rating right now. Uh, I'd like to meet the 12% of people that think that the uh, House of Representatives is doing a good job. Um, Anyway, all right, please make sure and follow us on Facebook. Pipes Magazine Radio Show has its own page there. Uh, You can follow me on Facebook and see what boring stuff I'm doing at home. Or uh, got any comments? Post them on PipesMagazine.com right there on the radio show page. I do love them all. Remember, I want to know where you're from and uh, what what do you do while you're listening to the radio show. Also, don't forget, send in your letters to your uh, U.S. members of uh, of, of the federal government. Let them know that you're not happy with them overreaching their bounds and uh, constricting our liberties. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Dave Neeb for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to British Dental Association. No, I'm a tobacconist. Get away from that door. I'll just go over the other side.